your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Monday, beautiful Monday of Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text and talk line. Say it backwards, the text and talk line just sounds weird. Uh, in studio with me is Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia. Hello. We were uh, talking behind your back on Friday about how you guys meddle in our elections. Right. Election meddlers. You I, would, partisan, I wouldn't call helping people get elected meddling exactly, but sure. Partisan hacks, I tell you. <laughs> uh, we could talk about that a little bit, but the biggest thing, uh, I, and uh, here's, a, here's a couple of things I, I want to talk about before we talk about the main thing is uh, Governor Evers' uh, Friday news dump. He just vetoed vetoing. a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. He also signed some bills, right? He, he did signed, sign some bills, he signed but, some. but the news is really what he vetoed. But yes. Right. And and so the, and and he did it on a Friday, which I always I think is kind of, you know, does he want to do that without getting too many headlines? It just seems like it seems I like mean, a, uh, everyone knew he was going to veto them for, you know, a month or so, so I don't feel like it was exactly a news dump. Mm-hmm. Um as much as just getting getting it all done so they can move on to other things. But uh but everyone knew he was going to veto. Nothing was a shock here that he vetoed anything. So uh, I wouldn't really classify that as like a news dump trying to hide the number of vetoes. Okay. And the other thing, and we can, we can hit on this if you want to as well, the Michael Gableman investigation in that election to a year yep. and a half ago, yep. um, there was news. There was also Friday news about him headed to Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago. Yep. Um, along with Tommy Thompson, maybe they went together. I don't know if they carpooled. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's it's really disconcerting with the Tommy Thompson. I mean, Tommy Thompson is obviously making a kind of wink at potentially running for governor again. Um, but that's another another thing. But, and then yeah, that's and a then, whole other topic. But and then Gableman going. No, these are just I'm just yeah. overviewing. These are just things. That, and then and then Gableman also going on Steve Bannon's podcast, yeah. which seems a Steve Bannon has a podcast. I guess I have a podcast and you have a podcast, too. Uh, but also just the the idea that uh, it's funny how how Wisconsin is is right in the center of the conspiracy that Trump uh, had his election stolen. Yeah, from for him. someone who's supposed to be an impartial, um, you know, investigator, Gableman sure spends a lot of time on far right conservative talk shows. <laughs> well, a lot of time. I don't. I mean, has it been on any other ones? Oh, yeah. oh okay. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, and, but but the big thing we want to talk about, and we could just hit on it a little bit here before we get to the Brad do the news, is you're having. Uh, the, all five candidates from all the third congressional uh, candidacy, Dem- Democratic Party candidacies, uh, Rebecca Cook, Brett Knutson, Deb McGrath, Mark Newman, Brad Paff, all looking to replace Ron Kind as Democrats. Primary is in August. Right? Primary is August, August 9th. August 9th. So we have this is a re- kind of an early one, but like, I, I mean, but we're going to have a debate. We're going to have a debate. We're going to have a debate tomorrow. It's going to be you could come in person. Um, or you can stream it on Facebook, or there's a Zoom link, either one that works for you. But um, but yes, it is crucial that people start to get to know these five candidates right now, understand who they are, what their values are, uh, what they're proposing to bring to Congress, because we want a, a robust primary to make sure that we get the absolute best person to go up, up against Van Orden. Uh, in November. And there's a lot of homework to do. We have had all five con- con- candidates on the Democratic Voice podcast, so yep. wisdomnews.com slash podcast, and you can see the Democratic Voice with William Garcia on there, or just search 
the Democratic Voice. Yep. Wherever and you, you know, Apple, iTunes, whatever you. We're the first thing that comes up when you type Democratic Voice. On so and then, and then scroll through there. You'll find all five candidates that it'll be about what? Probably about two, two hours worth of homework yeah. before yeah. you head into that debate. Nobody's going to do that. But um, I would say I would say that they were all. They were all pretty good conversations. I think they the the issue I have with all five candidates is they all are kind of the same a little bit. They don't they all have different backgrounds, obviously. Right. They all come from different um, aspects of society or most well, and, of them anyway. And I think that they I think that there are some policies that they have differing opinions on. I mean, obviously, they're all within the democratic spectrum. Yeah. But the democratic spectrum is a lot broader than say the Republican spectrum. The Republican spectrum is, you know, uh, make sure the government doesn't work, and if you're not bowing to Trump, you can't win. So that's a very narrow spectrum. Within the Democratic spectrum, there are you know conservative Democrats, moderate Democrats, and then kind of far-left progressive Democrats, all within one tent. And so you're going to hear voices from really all sides of the Democratic spectrum. And then it's up to us to decide who is the best candidate to take on Van Orden. Well, you say the Republican tagline is to make sure the government doesn't work, but they're sure trying to pass a lot of bills for trying to be less government. Uh, right. telling they're, us- they're passing a whole lot of bills that uh, they know will never get passed and it will never get signed so that they can you know, make a big stink and raise a lot of fuss about a whole bunch of bills with awful, awful laws that they know won't go into effect. Just because they want to show, like, they're pretending to do something without actually doing something. Well, and I call I call those, because the state legislature adjourned maybe a month, I guess a, probably a month ago, maybe three and a half weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, like three weeks ago, yeah. For the year, and Republicans control the state legislature, so if it feels like I'm picking on them, I just can, like, you guys control the state legislature, so you didn't have to adjourn. I'm in Minnesota right now, we're debating on how to spend a $9 billion tax surplus. Right. Our, Part-time state legislature, and 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 here in Wisconsin, we are debating on nothing. Yeah, we're not debating on anything. We held a special session to decide how to. Governor Evers held a special session on what to do with Wisconsin's five billion, four point eight billion dollars surplus, and it was gaveled in and out of session in ten seconds. Ten seconds. I think they're down to ten seconds. They yep. really got the efficiency yep. of the gavel down. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom. Ten seconds. I don't know. I, ten seconds seems like a long time to gavel in and out. Maybe they got to say something officially in between there. Um, but while so Minnesota has a part-time state legislature, they're still working. I don't know if they get quote unquote overtime for still working. Uh, that would be incentive. And, and I want to be real clear that that Democrats want to work. They want to be working. They want to be in Madison. This is not some bipartisan agreement. There is no mechanism where the minority party in power can call um, a, a legislative session. It is the Republicans and the Republicans only. That are preventing us from having substantive debate on real issues. Well, and this is this is one of the things, and we'll get to what we're, we'll break down the debate here, or the uh, what I want to know if it's a debate or a forum here in a minute. Um, but the the Minnesota Republicans in the Senate passed some bills to say, here's what we're going to do. It's permanent tax cuts, is what they're talking about to deal with the billions of dollars of surplus that they say is ingrained in how we're taking tax money from people. Mm-hmm. So they're saying, like, every year we're taking too many taxes, so we want to do this permanently. And my question is, like, yeah, but what if I move out of the state tomorrow? Do I get my money from the $9.9 billion uh, budget surplus no, that no, you took the from me? that's leaving the state tax. Right. So that's that's what I'm saying is, like, yeah, that's great. You can do permanent tax cuts, and I'm all for it because you're taking your tax cuts from but me. But you would rather see, at least for this, for this round, rebates direct money right. back to well, you the, because what, you're like, I already paid that money. 
Yeah, what they're saying is, oh, these election gimmicks of giving direct because I think it's up to a thousand dollar checks that we're going to give back to citizens in Minnesota. And yeah, in Minnesota, and healthcare people are going to get a little bit of a bump in that, or people that were you know working during the pandemic, stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that election gimmick. Okay, but also like permanent tax, we could do both. I think, but I don't easily. I don't think it's an election gimmick. If you're saying that we have a, a surplus that's way too high, then you're saying that we should be giving that money back immediately. And then also we can pass permanent tax cuts. But again, Wisconsin, full-time state legislature, they're done in March. That's yep. what, eight, nine months of, and, of just, and, we're going to hit the they, campaign. And they've already refused once to talk about it. Yeah, and they're going to hit the campaign trail and and just yell and scream about what we should do about a budget surplus. I think anyone that talks to a Republican can go, why aren't you in session right now doing something about it now? Yep. If, and whether that's permanent tax cuts, I think we should have two conversations. Because Evers proposed $150 checks for everybody, I mm-hmm. believe. Uh, Scott Walker, when he was in um, his election year, it was $100 checks for every kid you had 18 and under. And people called that an election year gimmick. And, right. And wh- whether or not you want to do that, I didn't have any kids, so I was like, eh. They all sound like election year gimmicks until you until you hear the both parties going. The budget surplus is too big. We should do something about it. Well, then are they election year gimmicks or not? Yeah. Um, Evers, I think his argument was uh, there was a pandemic. We're really we've really been hit hard. The hundred fifty dollar checks need to go out because yeah. that'll help people. Because there are now. people that, that it will help you know feed, pay some bills, et cetera, et cetera. My problem with Scott Walker when he gave out hundred dollar checks to parents was that he goes this hundred dollars will help buy shoes and tennis rackets and clothes and binders and pencils. And I was like, okay, well, it'll buy a pair of shoes. Yeah. And, it'll buy shoes. And, and that's it'll it. buy some binders and pencils. You know? It'll buy a lot of pencils. Yeah. 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 About a thousand pencils. I think if they're still 10 cents, been a while since I bought a pencil. Anyway, that's lacrosse County democratic party chair, William Garcia. We're going to talk about tomorrow's debate or forum. And we'll have him define that when we come back. All right. Welcome back to lacrosse talk PM 608. 608- 785-7914 is the talk and text line. Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia in here. Talking about, well, we were talking about some state stuff and just I'm comparing Minnesota to Wisconsin and trying to point to the obvious uh, under <laughs> overtones, undertones. I don't know what kind of tones they are, but the differences in uh, the two state governments right now. And, and Wisconsin, I would say, is a little bit dysfunctional in the way it's handling uh, a budget surplus. I think a little bit is uh, generous. Generous. I think okay. they are, are very... Uh, and, and Minnesota is a little different because the Senate is Republican, the House is Democratic, and the governor is Democratic. So the House and the Senate have to eventually figure things out. Right. If if that was if Wisconsin had a House or a Senate or assembly, I should say, one one was Democratic and one was Republican, this stuff might work out a little bit better, right? It would work out a little better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, let's face it. You've still got. I mean, look at the federal government for comparison. Now, right now. The, the Democrats are, are barely in charge of all three, um, of, of both houses of Congress. Yeah, and then the, Senator Joe and Manchin. Or, uh, but, yeah, pr- but the, pr- the, the margin is so close that it doesn't do much. But uh, what we do know is that when Republicans hold that kind of power, they are still the party of no unless they control everything. So unless Republicans control both houses of Congress and in Wisconsin's case, the governorship and federally the presidency, unless they control all three, their primary goal is to do nothing, to ensure nothing happens and no one gets the help they need because they can use that inaction as a campaign issue. 
Except $150 checks. We did that right before uh, the election. Right, right. <laughs> or no, $100 checks to uh, parents with children. Well, but no Republican voted for that. The, the Scott Walker checks. I'm oh, the Scott about. Walker check. Well, sure. But that's why they controlled all three. Right, they controlled all three. So they knew threes. they would get full credit yeah. for that. Uh, for for that rebate, I'm trying to think of other things. You know, we also right before Walker left, they they did a whole bunch of things. They uh, the lame duck. Uh, oh, with lame duck, they took away a whole bunch of powers of the governor because they were right. like, well, if we're going to have a Democratic governor, we're going to make sure they don't have nearly the power that a Republican governor right. has. I mean, it would be great if at the beginning of Scott Walker's term they decided, you know, we're going to we're going to get rid of a whole bunch of the power from the governor. But that would have right. taken. At that point, I don't know who was running the government. But was it Democrats with a Republican governor? Was it Republicans? Wait, with when are we talking? But before Scott Walker. So like, oh. what, a decade ago? <laughs> I do not remember. I'm guessing it was a Democrat. I, I think it was. And we didn't take power away from Scott Walker right before. No, it's just no, we did the not. irony there. Anyway, so Ron Kine's been in. Ron Kine's our U.S. House representative here in the 3rd Congressional District. He represents La Crosse and all the surround, a lot yep. of the surrounding counties. I think you have a list of it on the website. Um, 26 years in Congress, 13 terms, long time. That's a long time to be in Congress. You could, I don't want to get into a uh, term limit debate today, but, uh, because I think term limit debates are silly because you could just vote the person out. There's part, part, partly, yeah. uh, except the, I'm not a huge fan of term limit, uh, of term limits either for the same reason. I think that if someone's doing a good job, we should have the right to continue voting them into office. Yeah. Just, we need to be sure that they're not using that office to gain enough money to quash competition. Right, and that's... And, and Which I would is a say, campaign finance problem, not yeah. a term And I would problem. say Ron Kine's got a pretty good piggy bank. So, Oh, sure. You know, definitely, especially... He's built that up, right? But we have five candidates, Rebecca Cook, Brett Knutson, Deb McGrath, Mark Newman, and Brad Paff. Um, Brad Paff's the only one in government, right? Deb McGrath used to... Deb McGrath was a CIA... Uh, uh, Army officer, intelligence officer, and then CIA officer. And then her, like... Dad was a congressman, right? Her father was a congressman from Wisconsin. Uh, Mark Newman ran against Ron Kine last uh, election. Uh, Mark Newman's a retired... uh, Pediatrician. Pediatrician, yep, from Gunderson here. Uh, Brett Knudsen lives right in Holman. He's uh, a Navy... uh, Was a Navy officer, so what, retired... He's a veteran, essentially. Right, veteran, right. Um, Not officer, though. He was enlisted. Yep, okay. And then Rebecca Cook, a small business owner. She's got a nonprofit out of Eau Claire... Uh, what one daughter of some uh, daughter of a farm yep, yep. Far, dairy farm family and um, is that it and then Brad Pass a state senator also the son of a dairy farm family yep and lives in the West Salem area I believe it might be even beyond West Salem so those are the five candidates and now the question is is what was what's going on tomorrow and you can see it in person right six thirty p.m. yep to 8 you can see it in person or online at the Bluffs Room the Bluffs Room in the UWL Student Union at UWL and of course the reason for that is that part of this debate is being sponsored this debate is being co-sponsored by the um, the third CD Democrats and the UWL Democrats. So the the college Democrat group has had a very large hand in helping organize this event. Okay, and is it a debate or is it a forum? We have five candidates. It, it's a debate, although um, I, I understand that with so many candidates, the 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 definition becomes a little fuzzy on whether it's a debate or forum. It's a debate because one, um, if one candidate mentions another candidate by name, the candidate that was mentioned has a chance to rebut to respond. And typically in a forum, you do not have the chance to do a, a back and forth like that. Okay. We also have a provision where Anthony Chergovsky, our debate moderator for, to, uh, for tomorrow, okay. uh, has the option to ask a follow-up question. And um, 
uh, and that means that Anthony will have the, the choice to kind of prod deeper on someone's answer if warranted. And that's another feature of kind of a debate rather than a forum. Yeah, Anthony Chagoski, the UW lacrosse political science professor there. Um, and then we're thinking about an hour and a half. Is there like, what, two minutes to open? So we're going to open with two-minute openings from each candidate. They're going to draw lots to see who goes first, second, third, fourth, fifth on that. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to have 90-second closing statements. Okay. And then um, we have planned to ask seven questions. Uh, we might only get to six, time depending. Are the questions set in stone at this point? Uh, you know, I don't know the answer to that because – uh, as our independent moderator, only Anthony Shurgoski has the ability to decide which questions will be asked. We did have a whole, they were all questions from the public. So the, we, we basically asked the public to send us questions. Uh, we had a lot of people do that. And then Anthony Shurgoski is uh, basically reading those, pulling the best questions, uh, the questions that he thinks will elicit the best responses, and then he is going to do that. But only Anthony Chergovsky knows what questions will be asked. Has the window closed on ask public questions? I think so. I mean, I'm going to leave the. I'm going to leave it open. So if you would like to ask a question and get something in under the wire, you can go to laxdims.com/slash/2022debate. That's two zero two two debate. And um, uh, there's a full Google form yep, that you can the, ask your question. It's the bottom on. of the page. I there. just I, at this point, I'm not going to guarantee that Anthony has time to, to look at the questions that he receives at this point. Yeah. So, but but he might. There's just, so there there still might be time. There'll just be one from Rick Solomon where we rub his stamping right, a yep. 800 billion dollar military budget. No, every time. Um, <laughs> probably, and that, I guess that is a legit question for a U.S. House representative. Um, okay, okay. Getting back to 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 the candidates themselves. There's five of them. They're running the the winner here in the after the August primary. The winner of this will will go on to uh, run against Eric Van Orden. Is that set in stone? I Can, mean, it's ninety nine percent set in stone. Okay. He has already been endorsed by the Republican Party, which is weird. You're not really supposed to endorse in your own party's primary, but they did. Um, well, there's no other candidates. There's no other candidates. Right. Part of endorsing him was to ensure there would be no other candidates running against him. So, in term, we're looking at like a ninety nine percent chance that it is Derek Van Orden. Is there is that the smart thing to do for Republicans because Derek came so close to beating Ron Kind, this guy that has been in Congress for at that point twelve consecutive terms, especially for an open seat like this? I never think it's a because I mean he did lose last time, so and there are reasons why he lost, um, and so I think it's not a great idea for an open seat uh, for there not to be a lot of primary competition. I think it makes sense when there's an incumbent because they're they're kind of a known quantity, um, but. When you've got an open seat like this, I think that both sides benefit from having a really robust debate about who is better for the community. Yeah, if nothing else, Derek Van Orden could could get a little practice in. He could get a little a, practice in he a could, debate. He could communicate with uh, with with uh, more voters that way. More voters could know his uh, you know beliefs on issues on things. Now he doesn't like to talk about his issues a lot. Um, I mean that's intentional. He likes to. Uh, he likes to just be like, hi, I'm here at this fish fry and not talk about the extreme far-right policies that he wants to enact. Um, but as a Democratic Party, we're going to make sure that whoever wins from the Democratic primary, that we are holding Derek Van Orden account to his policies, to his ideology. That's Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia. All right, we're going to continue this conversation and, and then talk about some other state issues in terms of uh, you know how the Democratic Party handles them. When we come back, but Scott's got to do the Scott's comment and then Brad's got to do the news. 
So All that right. wasn't for me. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk VM. Uh, all right. Yeah. I uh, was doing a little call screen there, and uh, he wanted to talk about traffic. Oh. Traffic traffic patterns. Uh, I, I mean, it's know. a good topic. It's a good thing to talk about. Yeah. I mean, road construction has uh, started all over the county, and we're going to have Wednesday. The south side is going to be uh, roundabout central, although it'll just be those two way on the south side. We're calling them the party... Oh, I forgot the bar the bar name. The bar name on the south side. We had a great name for it. Brad came up with a great name for the uh party house roundabout, something like that. I think it was the party house bar. So we're calling that roundabout on the way right, in the, front of the elementary, the party house roundabout. roundabout. Instead yeah. of the highway thirty one US fourteen sixty one multi lane roundabout and southern and southern single lane roundabout in, in front of the elementary. I like the school. idea of naming all of the roundabouts in lacrosse after bars. Yeah, we should. I think, I think I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that we should we well, should figure this out. Well, and we have the the one on Cass Street is just called the Cass Street Roundabout, but there used to yeah. be the Cass Bar right there. Right? So, so I mean, we've kind of done that. You've got the the Cave Wine Bar right there. You've got there. I mean, there, I mean, there we have so many bars that we could honor by naming with roundabouts. It yeah, I mean, great. Holman's got two or three of them right. As, well, Holman on Alaska, as you head past the, where the Omni Center and the. I guess submit your names. Like, yeah, right, yeah, let's yeah. Let's get right. submit your names, everybody out there listening. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Tell me where the roundabout is. I mean, if you're driving, maybe do it later. I'll hopefully I'll read the text or Rick at wisdomnews dot com. Uh, where the roundabout is, and then the name of the bar. Historically, be good to have. Like Brad Williams remembers this bar that closed in the eighties <laughs> because they closed they closed that intersection. To, to remake it what it is now, right. where only right. one lane of traffic has to stop to turn left to go to Coon Valley, that, or turn left from Coon Valley to go south towards uh, Stoddard. That's the only lane of traffic that has to stop there. But we've decided, as a Wisconsin DOT, that we need a roundabout there now because that one left turn. Yeah. So they, well, you know. And they don't... I had the DOT guy on, but we didn't cite any data. Like, you know, there's been 52 crashes per year there. Or I mean, I do know that roundabouts are safer than intersections. Right. So, I mean, it just it does kind of make sense to, when you have the option, just go with the roundabout. Right, except that you're doing 40 there, and you're leaving town, and every direction of traffic except that one <laughs> is a stop, is, is no stop sign. It's merge and everything else. Right. Now, if you want to put a roundabout at 3rd and Pearl Street, where everybody comes out of that bar where the subway is downtown. Right. If you wanted to put a roundabout there, I'm all for it. Because every day I drive home from work, I almost murder people with my car <laughs> going 20 miles an hour. Because then nobody... See, look, everybody look, we, we just road. talked about traffic patterns. Yeah, so I'm sorry that I hung up on you, uh, caller, because then we did traffic talk, traffic talk anyway. But traffic talk is great because everybody experiences traffic. Right. So we all have to deal with it in one way or another. So, I mean, and we'll probably do it tomorrow because I don't, at this point, I don't have anyone coming up. Uh, anyway, 608-785-7914. That, Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia is in studio with me. We're talking about a debate tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. till 8. You can check it out, uh, hopefully on the WISM Facebook page, as long as I'm competent and get it up and running. Otherwise, the Lacrosse County Democratic Party WISM or Democratic Party Facebook, Facebook page. Facebook page, and there's a Zoom link if you go to laxdems.com slash 2022 debate. Okay, so a Zoom link you can get right in. It's yep. not like you're going to be able to. Or you can get tickets live. Come come see it live. Yeah, or go down. Because, you know, will there be like a little meet and greet afterwards? I would imagine the candidates would want to meet that, some it, of the candidates. That is totally up to the candidates. Okay. Um, so we're not like advertising that, but I would assume so. But when if the debate starts at 630, 
do we can, well, what time can I show up? Is early, like six, six o'clock. Six so we're going to open the doors at six. Okay. Um, I don't think there'll be much any of a possibility of a meet and greet beforehand. They're going right. to be getting ready. Yeah. But um, uh, but we open the doors at six. Yeah, and and having five people, and this is like you said, a debate. It gets a little tricky because that's a lot of people, but it can't be any worse than when we had like eleven presidential candidates right. on the stage and right. trying to do a debate that way. It'll be it'll be smoother than that. And we've had to do this with mayoral debates. We had ten mayoral. You had to, candidates. You had to break up into two different debates. So we broke it up and in, in, into five people debates, and it, and I think it worked pretty well. We we had a pretty robust conversation, uh, a debate, if you will, uh, with the mayoral candidates, and we I think we got a lot of that accomplished. We had way too many mayoral debates, though. I know we had 10 candidates, right? but at some point, even when we had just um, the two candidates at the end, every group wanted their hands. Well, I think it was because we moved debates to Zoom, and then all of a sudden, debates became, one, less attended, so you kind of had to do more of them to get the same number of people listening, but also they became just technologically a lot easier to pull yeah. off. So, so yeah, so everyone was like, well, we can have a debate now. Yes. But of course we've got, we've got 10 candidates for Wisconsin democratic Senator. So we are going to have to figure out, I don't know House. if I'm going to have House. to House. No House. Senate. Oh, 10. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking tomorrow's debate. Yeah. No, not tomorrow. Yeah. But, okay. but, coming but we, in Wisconsin, up. we have 10 senators running yeah. for the Democratic primary. So we're also going to have to figure out, like, what is the best way to have a debate that really digs into the issues but still is fair to everyone, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you'll have to, you know, honestly, like, you, you, would, you would probably have a couple of people that know the senators rank them and then split them into uh, two brackets and then have these five the five but don't put all the favorites in one bracket or the other you right. almost have to have like i think i think it's nobody's surprise mandela barnes is is a leading senate candidate and then i would say i just i don't know them all so i would just say like sarah Godlewski, let's she holds state office let's say she's the second leading candidate i don't know if that's true or not but i would in my head i would put them in opposite debates well and that's what they did for like the the republican um race what six years ago when um uh, when Trump first ran in 2016, they had two debates because there were so many people running, and then they would like all of the evens would be one day, and all of the odds would be the yeah. Other. Um, the other way to do it is put all the top put the top five candidates in one debate, right. just because because we don't have ranked choice voting, so we will right. we won't eliminate any of these candidates. Right. They all go to the the ballot correct and you have to pick amongst the 10 it's it's i don't like that i wish we had at least one round to cut from 10 to 5 where you could get okay i don't have to think about well and there are some there are some communities that are doing that in terms of like a basically a nonpartisan primary so that like you you choose from this batch of of republicans and democrats for the final two and then if the final two are both Republicans, they're both Democrats, it's up to the primary voters. Yeah, but that's not in But that's not in Wisconsin. Yeah, that's, that's that's being test run around in a few places around the country. Yeah, and it's interesting too, right? Cuz you you rank choice vote out all the Democrats or you rank choice right. out all the Republicans in this district and therefore you come up with two Republicans who are going against each other or two Democrats going against yep. each other for the seat. And, and then it becomes a race to the middle. Right, because you want to you you want to be the candidate who wins over the most from the other party. Right, because you think I'm a Republican, I'm going to try to win the Republicans' votes, but I'm going against a Republican. We have the same ideals. All right, I gotta I gotta say some stuff that Democrats are going to yep. like, whether they you know lie or not, because right. I think we 
all pretend that politicians never lie. Um, I'm getting a couple of texts here. Rich said, uh, why even have a debate when Brad Paff is locked as Mr. Kind's endorsement? So Ron Kind yeah, is Ron the Kind did endorse Brad Paff very early on in the process, but I do not think that indicates a lock. I mean, one, even if it was a lock, we should have a debate. I mean, maybe people were wrong. But, um, but yes, so, but I don't think he has a lock right now. Um, I, I, would, I would probably hazard a guess to say he's the, the, the front runner, but maybe not even that. But, um, but no, I think a robust primary is vital to making sure that we get the best candidate for Van Orden. And I don't think that we should, I mean, Ron, Ron Kind is still one person. And so he, that one person has endorsed, but that is not the same thing as like the, the entire Democrats this party is, endorsing. This is the exact argument we just made with Derek Van Orden. Like Derek Van Orden has right. Donald Trump's endorsement, right? right? And no one's going to run and against Therefore, him. nobody runs against Derek yep. Van Orden. Or you could have people run against Derek Van Orden because maybe they have different views. I mean, I would say. But I, they're I not going to get any help from the Republican Party because they already endorsed Van Orden. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I would say, you know, a lot of these candidates have similar views, but I bet Brad Paff's take on marijuana is going to be way different than the other four candidates. Mark Newman's take on health care is going to be way more informed and I think a little bit different than the other four candidates. Right. And, and well, I don't know go, about informed. I mean, I think all of the candidates are quite well informed on health care policy. Right. Well, he, he, now, granted, he has a lot more to say about like the nitty gritty of actually treating. Well, that's what I, that's what I mean patients. by informed. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of policy, they are all very conversant. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm just saying he's experienced this yeah. firsthand as a doctor and seen yeah. the heartbreak of somebody with insurance problems yep. or something like that. Uh, Deb McGrath, her her time in the armed forces and the CIA. You know, if a, if a Ukraine question or something like that comes up, she might she might be better apt to answering that. And, right, which is that, exactly why we need the primary because the primary is about picking the right person for the moment. Future going looking into the future when we you know okay so it's you know April twelfth this debate happens the primary is in August are we going to do this like once a month? We're yeah, gonna we're going to do this once a month, but we're going to do. Um, we're going to do it around the third district. So, uh, the kind of central area of the third district is first, and then the Eau Claire is going to have their own and Stevens point is going to have their own. And like, uh, the Southern counties are going to have their own. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to do them once a month. And of course we will stream all of those, Yeah. but we, we are starting in lacrosse because lacrosse is, Oh, you know, is the population center of the third CD. Um, it is a, um, democratic stronghold well it's where ronkine lives and it's where ronkine lives and so this is the place where you want to start talking to voters this would be like the the los angeles lakers have won i'm doing a sports analogy on you uh, on it. 11 nba championships in a row and then you decide to have los angeles as part of a debate but hold it in sacramento you'd be like well what are you doing right. like los, we, we hold the title here so well, lacrosse county holds the title we have ronkine's ronkine's county um, what do you think, uh, like just top, top three questions, just, you know, off top, because you don't know what the questions are, but I would, I, I'm going to make some, assu- I mean, I'm going to make some super broad assumptions. Um, but I'm going to, uh, the economy slash inflation slash prices. Yeah. I think is, is something around that. Um, I, I can almost guarantee there's going to be a question about healthcare. And the only reason I can guarantee that is because I feel like, um, like that's just such an important issue around the country, um, and so I, I would 
I would hazard a guess we're going to get some kind of Ukraine question. Although I, I know, I, I bet we're going to have a foreign policy question in general. I don't know if it's going to be specific to Ukraine or just a larger, more general question about American involvement around the world. Do you think is Chergosky picking these? Chergosky picks them. Okay, so just him, but he'll yep. probably run it through. Will he run it through anyone? Like, hey, what do you got? Nope. Okay. Nope. It's um, just him. It's interesting, and, and the reason is, is because he is he is you know so adamantly nonpartisan that he will uh, be able to kind of choose the 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 most interesting, fairest questions. Well, he's going to not have an agenda. He's going to be smart about this too, because if you think about it, and I and knowing nothing about. Well, I did take some World War classes in college 20 years ago, but knowing right. nothing about like current event war, uh, grass, grabbing a Ukraine question right now might be interesting, but how relevant will it be, A, in mm. a month? No, it's or, still going to be relevant because— In August? In August. And the reason is is because, yes, the Ukraine situation might be different, but the rubric of how you calculate when to be involved overseas— that's not going to change. Yeah. So in other words, if you use Ukraine as an example of what you want to see out of American foreign policy, then it becomes a universal question for the ages well, and not just super specific to Ukraine. Well, I think even I think more a more prevalent question too would be somehow intertwine Ukraine with Afghanistan and our Sure. Getting out of Afghanistan after right. twenty years, I don't know how to do that. That's why we make Trigovsky do that right. stuff because he's just right. tuned into to foreign, well, not foreign policy, but political policy. Political I guess. policy. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna be able to to political science it as yeah. a verb. All right, I gotta take uh, we gotta take one more br- quick break. We'll wrap up after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914. Lacrosse County Democratic Party Chair William Garcia in here. I should say, you know, you we were on we were on this morning, William, a little bit. Oh, were we? Yeah, for, for a little clip from uh the podcast with Sarah Rodriguez. Oh, and that was a good podcast. Lieutenant yes. Governor one Sarah the, one Rodriguez. One of the three people running for lieutenant governor. Yeah. Yeah, it's all that's all that's a weird thing. The lieutenant governor has its own I like it in a way because and I, I made this point during the during the conversation with her. It was a little bit uncomfortable because she doesn't have Governor Tony Evers' endorsement, but right. she doesn't need it. Also, like you don't in, in my head, I still think like if, even if you don't have his endorsement, we don't need we, we have somebody running separate from the governor in a in their own race. So they have, they're going to have their own views, and they right. and we right. can vote on that. Yeah. We can vote on it. And sometimes I don't like the partisanship. Uh, I don't love you guys meddling in uh, nonpartisan elections. You, you Again, I, I really don't think it's meddling. I think it's, you know, supporting people. I love that word. But. Uh, meddling, we just use it haphazardly. Um, I don't love the idea that we have county sheriffs that run as Republicans and Democrats. It just seems ludicrous to me that we have a partisan and we just make it. It's partisan. We're just, we're a Republican. We're running county sheriff. What? Like, just, it's, it's law enforcement. Like, why would it be a... Well, I mean, I think that there are substantive differences between Democrats and Republicans on law enforcement policy. So I think it's a I think it's a good thing to have. It's a good thing to have maybe in different aspects. But when it's just, you know, here's my problem. And I think it would be very true with especially sheriff is if it's nonpartisan. All right. Then it's too easy to avoid stating your beliefs on things. It's too easy to just run on. Hey, I'm I'm from here. I've been working for the for the department for X many years. I've been, you know, uh, I got my degree from this place, and not actually ever state 
what you think, what you believe. And we need candidates who, uh, especially for something like Sheriff, who's willing to come out and say, these are the policies I agree with. And like it or not, lining up with Republicans or lining up with Democrats is, at least in some ways, a statement of policy. I would say if we didn't know, and there was just three candidates, there's three lacrosse county sheriff candidates, one's a Democrat, so there'll be a Republican primary at this right, point. Right, there'll be a Republican so primary. So two Republicans will have to go to, against each other. But in, when I go to the ballot, I, I, let, let's just say I'm a hardcore Democrat. I'm going to go to the ballot and go D-R-D. I'm just going to vote for the D. And right. if I didn't know that going in, if it was three candidates and there was a primary. Okay, but, 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 but ideally, you should have researched who you're running for. I don't have to. There's just a D. There's two R's and a D right well, what, now. You still should. You still, you still should. should. But, if but, you also, know. <laughs> but also, if you didn't know, thank God you know something. If I didn't know, I would go If into... you didn't know and they didn't have a, a Republican or Democratic stamp next to them, you would you would pick like the person whose name begins first or something. Like I'm saying if I didn't know, I would do right. some more research. It would be it would make me do a little bit more research into oh, you know I, what? I think I it goes the other out. way around. I think the people who research research whether there's there's a Republican or Democrat stamp next to their name. And I think the people that don't research um, go in and vote on um, you know, the name, things like that, and not the policy. So the people that research already research are the ones that don't, um, you know, at the very least can get some idea of the policies they're going for by looking at the party stamp. Because it's got a party stamp. Right. So everything should have a D and an R. That's what you're saying. I don't know. I think there are things that uh, I think, I think especially at these, at the local races, I think it does make sense that they're nonpartisan because for the most part, um, and this is changing a little bit and I'm not sure I like the change, but for the most part, um, they're not dealing with the kind of culture war, mega huge federal issues that are hopping over all over the Did country. Did you say mega or mega there? Mega. No. mega. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, whereas I think a law enforcement right now absolutely is dealing with those kind of issues. But I so think, it makes sense. I th- 